0: Good morning to you, to everyone. It's good to see everyone again this morning. Uh, I'd like to thank Mike, uh, Mike Buck, for preaching last Sunday while my family and I were on vacation. And uh, I'd like to thank you all for coming back now that I'm back this week. This morning we're going to begin a new uh, five-week series entitled, It's Spiritual Warfare. You have to say it with a heavy voice. Why are we going to spend the next five Sundays talking about spiritual warfare? You know, and maybe you hear that, maybe you hear me just say that, and you're thinking, you know, uh, just great, this guy spent like a whole year talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Now he's going to spend five weeks on spiritual warfare, and what's next? You know, he's going to spend all winter on Noah? You know, don't tempt me. But no, I like to read very slowly, you know. But Lord willing... We're going to spend the next five uh, Sundays talking about spiritual warfare because engaging in spiritual warfare is not an option for us. Not an option for those of us who consider ourselves Christ followers. It's just not. It's just not an option. So it's imperative that we spend some time talking about spiritual warfare. The lives we lead as Christians, for some reason, they just aren't easy, are they? Are the lives we lead as Christians easy? You know, or I don't know, let's see, you know, hands in the air. How many of you would say your life's easy? How many of you say your life as a Christian is easy? No problems, no hurts, no hang-ups, ever. Everything is always smooth all of the time. You're just walking on sunshine. Okay, I, that's kind of what I thought. I was going to change the sermon if I had any of those people. But no, none of us will say that because none of us experience that life is not easy. Is it? I was in conversation with uh, an individual this week. Uh, This individual was sharing with me some of the recent uh, troubles, some of the recent things they'd been going through, some hardships, uh, some disappointments they'd been having, been one thing after another, and I kind of liked the way uh, they summed up the series of events. I hope they don't mind me borrowing this. They put it something like this. I felt like I was really being tested in my Christianity just felt like I was really being tested in my Christianity, and isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? We feel tested. We feel tested in our Christianity, don't we? Or to put it another way, way, let's think of it this way. Some days, some weeks, some months, some years, they just feel like a fight. It just feels like a fight sometimes, doesn't it? It feels like a fight. It feels like a fight to bring our children up or sometimes to have any slightest amount of understanding in what's going through their heads and some of the decisions they make. That begins about the time they're three, six, uh, th- uh, three months old, and it extends, I'm told, clear up through their 60s. Your results may vary. I'm dealing with preteen stuff myself, and it's so much fun, let me tell you that. It feels like a fight with our kids. Feels like a fight with our kids feels like a fight sometimes to uh with our grandkids get to see our grandkids or or get to see our grandparents or or try to keep up with the health condition of aunt so-and-so or or get one whole group of actual blood relatives to set foot in our houses at one time that's a fight that feels like a fight doesn't it feels like a fight because two or three of these people that were trying to get together under one roof they're still upset at each other for something that happened in 1992. The offense occurred so long ago, nobody's even sure what they're still mad about, but they're mad. And so it feels like a fight within our families to live the Christian life. It feels like a fight in our work environments. It feels like a fight in our work environments. We're surrounded by cynicism at times, or uh, maybe some coarse language. Non-believers, ex-believers, people who say they believe on Sunday mornings, yet they come in on Monday still smelling like Saturday night. And so it's difficult. It feels like a fight. We want to give in to temptation. We want to be thrown off the straight and narrow. It's difficult not to let maybe some self-destructive lifestyles of other people keep us from what the Bible says about living like the world and our witness before the world, right? Right? It's just not easy. It's a fight. Maybe we've got a coworker. Maybe you can relate to this some of you, a coworker or worker or a, a, quote, friend, uh, the one that's always testing us. Maybe the guy just recently heard about that uh, latest televangelist who's begging his congregation for a $70 million jet. And, uh, you know, there was another one of those recently, and this guy, he just wants to remind us how silly our faith is, how goofy it is that we want to be considered one of those sheep. We're we're ready for fight. You know, Lord, can you just look the other way for thirty seconds so I can sock this guy in the jaw? You feel that way. Feels like a fight in some other ways, too. So, you know, sometimes it feels like a fight to just to get up, just to get out, get the daily, weekly errands run, household maintenance, chores taken care of. Feels like a fight. Maybe we're dealing with some physical ailments. Maybe it hurts uh, to get up or get out, or, or we're no longer able to get up or get out. We're dependent on that spouse or that family member to take care of that lawn, get those groceries, pick up those medications, make those phone calls, right? On some days? Even enduring, even enduring uh, the call of a referee, uh, the, a news commentator, uh, the political memes on, on social media, they can get at us. I could say something, but I won't, you know, tongues bit the whole time. Life feels like a fight, and it doesn't, it doesn't take much. Here's a good one for you. Here's a good one. This can be your breaking point here. Uh, think of the kid at the restaurant drive through He distinctly heard you say no pickles. Had to have. You said it three times three times three times and yet he gave you only pickles and if you're the kid working the restaurant drive-through it's a fight because of the people who came in two minutes to closing and ordered 15 sandwiches with extra pickles life feels like a fight it does and that's because it is that's because it is it is a fight life is a fight you me we're fighting a battle we're fighting a battle. The Apostle Paul actually writes the following words, actually says the following words in Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. Turn there with me, verse 10. You know what these words that, yeah, they were written to the church at Ephesus, but they apply to you and me, the church at Pharis, too. Turn there with me. Paul says this about the Christian life, our in and out daily grind, what have you. Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And we're going to hold off on on verse 12 uh, for just a little bit. Let's just focus in on these two uh, verses for a few moments. When you have those uh, times, those days, those weeks, those months, those years in which you feel like your Christianity is being tested You're right. It is. We feel like we're fighting a battle because we are fighting a battle. Does that come as a little bit of a shock to us this morning. I don't know about you. I know I, for one, am guilty of thinking maybe you can relate when when life isn't going so well, when when things are a little sour, saying to myself, you know, what's the deal? I, I follow Jesus. I claim that victory in Jesus. I'm a self-professed Christian. I'm heading for heaven. Why don't I have heaven on earth? I know I certainly allow my circumstances to affect my faith from time to time. Maybe you've been there. I I get discouraged. Sometimes that just means I don't exactly show the joy of knowing Jesus before others. You know, you say to that uh, barista, it's been a terrible week. Give me that latte and don't forget the swirl flower design on the top this time. We're going to have an off day, week, whatever, season, just, just don't take it out on the barista. But those times, those, those off times, those, they're to be expected in our lives. Those times of hard circumstances uh, can even be faith builders, Romans 8:28. But sometimes, sometimes they can go another way. Sometimes they can go another way. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can allow seasons of difficulty to destroy us. To destroy us, it's not going to happen in a weekend. It might happen over several few, uh, months. It might happen over several years. If we're not careful, brothers and sisters, the discouragement we experience in this life, which we're going to experience, which is promised, can wear away our faith in Christ if we let it. There was a, a period in my life when uh, I wouldn't say I'd, I'd given up the faith altogether, but I got to be honest with you, I wasn't exactly strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. I'd grown a bit cold. You've been there? You've been there? I'd grown a bit cold. I was, was, quite frankly, I was tired of the fight. I was tired of the fight. I was going through motions. I said I was just going to go through motions. I'd become very negative. I'd become very cynical. and, And not just a little sarcastic, which I proudly still am today. But I'd I'd become very negative and cynical. I'd forgotten what what Jesus had had done for me, what the Holy Spirit could still be doing through me. I wasn't spending enough time there. I'd become wounded in battle. I decided I just wasn't going to put up much of a fight anymore. I was done. I was done. I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to go show up on Sundays. I'm just going to go say all the right things to all the right people. But this actual spiritual transformation in my life, apparently that's just not working out for me. Let's just go warm the pew again this week. And eventually, after enough time, I found I didn't really have any reason to go warm that pew anymore. Just wasn't there. I've been there. And I want to tell you, if this is where you are, if you know someone that's there, my friend, I urge you to remember your place in battle. If Satan has been knocking you down, Satan's been throwing you to the ground as God gives you the strength. My friends, you just keep on swinging. You just keep on swinging back on your way back up. According to God's word, we're going to be knocked down by satanic attack. It's going to happen. But even when it feels like we're losing the battle, our best course of action is not to fall back into our own weakness. That's how the devil wins. Our best course of action is to remember the strength of the one who has called us to battle. To remember, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. One author writes, during the Vietnam War, Colonel Norman Schwarzkopf was sent to take over command of a battalion positioned near the front lines. The troops had been demoralized, unprepared for battle, casualties had been high. The outgoing commander had nothing good to say about his troops or their combat performance. Schwarzkopf began training and instead encouraging his men. Morale soon rose. Casualties declined. A message was was later intercepted from the enemy, indicating that they assumed a much tougher and more highly skilled unit had replaced the previous one. You know, my friends, when, when troops are unprepared, when morale is low, casualties will be high. And that's just the way it goes at wartime. The proof's in the numbers. But here's the thing, here's how this relates. We're seeing this among spiritual soldiers as well. A recent Pew Research Center survey, 35,000 people, shows that the Christian percentage of today's population is down to 70.6%. 70.6%. Now, if you're thinking, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. Keep in mind, 10 years ago, a similar survey revealed from this group of people, 78%, 78 78.4% called themselves Christians. Sounds to me like the pew warmers have dropped 8% in 10 years. This figure is only expected to suffer further decline in our postmodern culture. So what's going on here? Why why have so many people been leaving the church? Any guesses? Do, Do we think it could have anything to do with the fact that the church spends more time on the sidelines than on the battlefield? Could it be that too many of us are too often demoralized, unprepared for battle? Another recent survey reports that 85% of the, quote, silent generation, those born between 1928 and 1945, called themselves Christians. 85%. Now today, just 56% of younger millennials, by younger millennials, I mean those individuals born between 1990 and 1996. Just 56 percent, barely half, uh, will stay, stay the same, will claim Christianity. Although, quote, the vast majority were raised in religious homes. So what's happened? What's happened here? Well, I can tell you one thing. One thing is for sure. Our leader hasn't changed. Our leader hasn't been replaced. Jesus Christ is still in control. We've changed we've changed. We've made changes. Somewhere down the lines, somewhere along the line, you and me, a whole lot of other believers, we failed to prepare for spiritual warfare. We failed to prepare. We failed to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We failed to put on the whole armor of God. We've forgotten about the schemes of the devil, and that's why the devil has the foothold in the church that he does. And the thing is, and this, this is the hard part about this, is this doesn't just affect you and I as individuals. It's not just you. It's not just I. It's not just us that suffer when we allow Satan to defeat us on the battlefield. It's our kids. It's our grandkids. It's those watching us. It's those saying, this doesn't work. This Christianity thing doesn't work. This whole armor of God thing Forget it. If I were to multiply my spiritual passivity times a couple billion Christians, I'll have a picture of the body of Christ not urgently seeking defeat of the enemy but whimpering in surrender to Satan on the other side. What a terrible thought. You know, we often hear, we often talk about in this country the notion of having God on our side. But when it comes to spiritual warfare, we must carefully consider with each decision, when we respond to life circumstances, are we standing strong against the schemes of the devil? Are we standing firmly on God's side? Are we standing firmly on God's side? Because here's the good news, and this is what we need to come back to time and time again, no matter what life throws at us. As the great 20th century uh, philosopher John Lennon once said, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans, right? Here's the good news, though. Here's the good news. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, you know that victory in Jesus we sung about a little bit ago? That victory in Jesus over the schemes of the devil, no matter what they are in your life, is already your victory. It hasn't gone anywhere. You just have to grab a hold of it. Grab a hold of it. Hang on tight. The battle for you has already been won. It's already over. It's done. No matter the bad news you may have heard this morning, this last week, a year ago, 10 years ago, this is still, as someone has said, the goodest news you'll ever hear. You have victory. And you don't even have to look very far within the pages of this book to read about that victory. Correction, collection of books near the very beginning of the bible you don't have to go any further than genesis chapter 3 verse 15 at the fall of man we read that man is cursed by giving into sin we read that man is going to suffer hardship in this life in every life and then we also immediately read about christ's victory over satan in the lives of men Because what does God say to the serpent? He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. And that's the Father literally saying to Satan, sin, and ultimately you, devil, will put Jesus on the cross of Calvary. By Jesus going to the cross of Calvary, he will defeat you. Praise God. Battle set, boom. Mic drop. As John Piper writes, the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, Had to become man to become the offspring of the woman who was to crush the serpent's head. Victory in Jesus. There it is. The spiritual warfare that you and I will engage in today. Keep this in mind on your day-to-day. For the devil, for your enemy, it's a matter of conquest. Every day. Every hour. Who can this great serpent bring down with him into the lake of fire and sulfur as the Bible says to be tormented day and night forever and ever at Christ's judgment, Revelation 20. That's what the spiritual warfare we face is all about. Right now, on this place in the timeline, the battle is raging on and it doesn't stop. Satan wants to destroy you. God wants to equip you for victory. What happens to you is up to you. But if we assume the former can't happen or that the latter has already occurred without any effort on our part, we may be in some dangerous territory, brothers and sisters. Never underestimate the power of the enemy. One author writes, the attack on on Pearl Harbor well over 75 years ago was the worst day in the US Navy's history and the shock of a lifetime for about any American who had achieved the age of memory. Exhaustive investigations after the attack made it clear that its causes went beyond any individual in Hawaii or Washington. Intelligence was misread or or unshared. Vital communications were ambiguous. To put it simply, Americans simply underestimated the Japanese. He continues, aside from good luck, Two American assumptions must be kept in mind. First, that the adversary lacked the military deafness and technological proficiency to pull off this attack. They just couldn't do it. And that uh, Japan knew and accepted that it would be futile to make war on the United States. The author conti- uh, concludes, even now, in this age of terror, the basic lesson of Pearl Harbor remains when confronting a menacing opponent you have to shed your own assumptions and think like him. You have to shed your own assumptions and think like him. And, and there is something we must keep in mind. Daily in battle. Have we thought like the enemy? Have we thought like the enemy is thinking now? Bit of a disclaimer, I'm not saying, fellow Christ followers, that you should all go home today and try to come up with ways to think like Satan. Wow, how to how to kill a ministry in a little over half an hour. But on the contrary, and and I mean this most gravely and sincerely, Paul tells the church, verse 11, to stand against the schemes of the devil by standing up to the devil, not in the way the devil would like us to stand up to him, but in the way Christ has stood up to him, has countered him. Stay with me here. If you remember the desert scene with Christ in Matthew chapter 4, what happens? Satan tempts Jesus. He tempts Jesus first with bread then with throwing his body off the temple, and finally with the kingdoms of the world. What are these? Physical. Physical. The devil's always trying to make us think all about the physical, isn't he? What do we have? What do we don't have? What would we like? What would make us happy? Maybe it's stuff. Maybe it's a person. Chances are it's a physical deficit somewhere. And yet Paul says, instead of responding physically, instead of making our faith all about our physical circumstances, Christians must respond in battle like our adversary, the devil, spiritually. Now let's continue with verse 12. Continue with verse 12 of our text. This is what Paul writes. It's not about the physical. It's purely about the spiritual. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Remember, when Satan tried to destroy Jesus that time in the desert, one time out of of many, many times, we're sure Satan may have tempted Jesus with the physical, but it wasn't the physical that mattered to Jesus. After all, Jesus came from divine glory. He made himself nothing to win uh, the battle against the devil on the cross. You couldn't sway Jesus with physical. I know so many of the battles that we read about, we, we hear about are physical, but this battle does not fall under the header physical warfare. Brothers and sisters, may we not wrestle against flesh and blood in the church as if the battle was physical. As if our circumstances, no matter how difficult they may be, will be eternity. That's the good news. This battle isn't ultimately about your physical health. Ultimately. This battle isn't about stuff. The battle isn't about physical things at all. And and here's another point we need to make this morning. The battle isn't about physical factions either. That is, don't let the devil scheme you as he's going to try. Another avenue is uh, to make you think that the real spiritual battle is your church versus the church down the street. Don't let the devil scheme you into thinking the real spiritual battle is your group of people versus some other group of people, whether it's culturally, ethnically or politically. Now know that expression, choose your battles? I have three small children. My wife is constantly, choose your battles, choose your battles. I need to hear that constantly. Kids are creative. We've got to choose our battles. We've got to choose spiritual, not physical battles. The devil's always scheming us against flesh and blood, isn't he? Against one another. In our homes, in our churches, in our communities, in our country, and in the world. Take five minutes, look at, at Facebook, and you'll see that. only we only you and I can make the choice every day we don't wrestle against flesh and blood verse 12 our battle is not with one another it's not with some politician it's not with some political party that defines who we are it's not members of our household it's not our boss our co-workers the guy that sits in the pew across from us that define us it's nobody but Jesus Christ alone So it's important for us to remember and keep this in mind that we're at battle. And it's also important to keep in mind whom we're fighting. Whom we're fighting. Because the devil is sneaky. The devil is sneaky. He'd like us to think we're at battle with other Christians, but we're not at battle with other Christians. We're not even at battle against the unchurched people of this world. Not even those people. Not against TV networks, not against sports figures, not against someone in the entertainment industry, not against presidents or ex-presidents or ex-presidents' wives, believe it or not. My friends, this battle is not, as, as Rich Mullins once said, among the stuff of earth, but the winds of heaven. So may we choose our battles. Choose our battles carefully. Thomas Aquinas once said, We are living in a material world, and I am a material girl. No, that was Madonna. I'm sorry. I'm sure Thomas Aquinas said something similar, though. But it's very true. We are living in a material world. Don't be material people, don't let Satan fixate you on the physical. It's difficult. There's nothing wrong with the physical in and of itself. God made the physical and said it was good. But the Bible says this world is passing away along with its desires, 1 John 1.27. So if you've been in the wrong battle, if you've been fighting somebody, if you've been fighting for something, if you've been on the sidelines of the only battle that really matters to eternity, no matter how you ended up there, maybe you you were discouraged into, into going there. Let's remember, as Paul says, We're fighting against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. By the way, do you wonder wonder who who all that encompasses? It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, This encompasses this rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, present darkness... All those angels that were flung from heaven with the devil when the devil was cast out from God's presence, the Bible actually says a third of all God's created angels were cast out or hurled with Satan at this point in time. That's Revelation 12, 3 to 9. It's no wonder we're at battle so often. Wow. But it's time for us to let those physical distractions go. Put on the whole armor of God. And this admonishment from Ephesians, it's for everyone. It's for everyone. Uh, Pre-teens, elderly, married, singles, new Christians, those of uh, us who moved over here in 1979 to the new church building from the side of the road, we're all included in that. We've got to get fit to fight and stay ready because war is inevitable. Author Richard Blackaby writes, a recent newspaper article reported that a large percentage of American troops, and I don't really know what that means, but... Uh, a proportion of American troops are, are currently unfit for battle, in poor health physically, emotionally. Therefore, cannot be deployed when their units are assigned to combat zones. And when this happened, many uh, brigades are dangerously undermanned, can't effectively carry out their assignments. He, he concludes similarly, God does not want any of us to be in poor health spiritually, yet... This can happen when God's people are so entangled in worldly concerns that we're too distracted to serve him. We're going to get distracted. We're going to get distracted. We're constantly bombarded in this world. But may we remember, my friends, we're not civilians of this world. We're not civilians of this world. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. We're just following orders here. Maybe you're wondering, I get it. I get it, preacher, put on the whole ar- uh, armor of God. What does that mean, though, anyway? What does that look like? What does that mean for my life? To answer these questions, our text is going to continue in verses 13 through 18. And at this time, I'd like to extend an invite to you to uh, please join us next Sunday. We're going to continue on for part two of this series. going to be called Tools and Training. Next week, we'll take a closer look not only at what tools uh, the Word says God has provided for us to use in spiritual warfare, this whole armor. We're going to follow that up with some practical, hands-on biblical advice in how to use these tools. It's going to be next week, next Sunday, June 10th. Please come back. Don't miss that. And I'll just let you in on, on what's ahead after that. June 17th, the message is going to be entitled, On the Home Front." On the home front, this part of the series, we'll talk more about what these schemes of the devil that we've mentioned, what this is going to look like in our homes. You'll probably recognize some of these. You've probably lived them before. Uh, we're going to look, we're going to look at, at the home, how we can uh, counter Satan spiritually in our home, followed by June 24th in our churches. Ooh, that's going to be a good one. I might not come to that one. But in our churches is going to be June 24th. And then finally, uh, we're going to look at beyond, Behind Enemy Lines. Is July 1st Uh, we'll get into some uh, deep acts study there a little bit on uh, uh, um, in the world how to counter the devil in the world you know we've talked a little bit about all these locations of spiritual warfare this morning just been grazing the surface and each week throughout the series uh, we'll look at some different scriptures Uh, my prayer is that this is a help this is an encouragement to you no matter where the battle is raging in your homes no matter where the battle is raging in your hearts. We're all going through it. We're all dealing with spiritual warfare. And so I hope you'll join me uh, each week for this journey together. I got to tell you, I'm I'm incredibly excited about the next five weeks. I really am. Hope you are too. Um, And I challenge you as you're studying, take some notes, learn as much as you can, putting on that whole armor of God, come back. I also challenge you, maybe make a commitment. You know, come back. Just say, hey, I'm going to come back. The next four Sundays, I'm going to be here every week, hear this entire sermon series. Because the thing is, life is a fight. Life's a fight. Feels like a fight. It is. I need all the help I can get in facing the spiritual warfare around me, and I'm going to tell you all about it for the next four. No. But let's go to the battlefield together, shall we? Come back. Make a commitment. You're going to be here the next four weeks. Uh, travel through this series with me. Victory in Jesus. Friends, that's our battle cry. Amen. We don't go into battle cry saying, well, I sure hope we win. We have victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus is ours. Join me in that battle cry. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, we praise you. We praise you for the that we live in a world that's broken, that we live in a world of sin and pain. And Lord, although we've made mistakes, and as as a people, we, we suffer the consequences of that sin. Lord, we praise you from the point of creation, from the point of the fall. You already had a plan to redeem us because you love us so much. And Lord, every day we make the choice to claim the victory that you had for us from Eden. Destroy that serpent. Help us, Lord, to remember that everywhere we go on a day-to-day basis, by the hour, Lord, we still deal with that serpent. Lord, help us to remember that the serpent has been crushed. Help us to remember, Lord, that the victory is in you. We don't face this fight alone, but we do face it. Lord, when times are difficult for us, when when we get brought down, when we get discouraged, gently remind us, help us, Lord, to remember of your love for us. Help us to remember that you have not left us as orphans, but you've come to us. You've promised that you were there. Help us to remember, Lord, sometimes these battles and these hardships we face, sometimes someone is watching, and sometimes you can work through those, not just in our lives, not just to bring us closer to you, but to bring others closer to you as well. Lord, we know that life is hard we know that you are good all the time. Help us, Lord, to bring our discouragements and our hurts and our hang-ups and our worries and our mistakes our sins every day and bring them to you at the cross. And say, Lord, I leave this with you. I leave this with you. Claim the victory every day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for overcoming this world we live in. In Jesus' name I pray these things, amen. If you open up your Bibles to Acts 2.38, you see where it all begins for each one of us. Repent and be baptized, and you will receive gift of the Holy Spirit. This is that uh, voice. This is that person who comes to us. God gives to us. Jesus has, has gone sitting at the right hand of the Father and we have the gift of the Holy Spirit given to us at baptism to face this world. We don't do it alone. We have God with us. We have God in us. I know there's days I get up and I think, how can God be within me? He loves me. He's promised that to me. You can face this world because God has defeated this world long before you got here. Praise his name. If you have a decision to make this morning, if you need to come home running, if you haven't yet been immersed into Jesus, if you have another public decision you'd like to make, we invite you as we stand and sing, come home running. It's the most important decision you'll ever make to come home running. We just stand and sing. Brother Girl's going go.